0: Welcome to the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. On today's NYFF 61 edition, Frederick Wiseman, the United States' unrivaled maestro of observational nonfiction, joins us to discuss Menus Plessios Le Trois, a spotlight selection in this year's festival with FLC Senior Director of Programming, Florence Almozini. Wiseman brings his camera into a three-star Michelin restaurant in rural central France, and the result is an expansive, delectable, and provocative portrait of the demand for perfection a surprising but apt subject in Wiseman's decades-long inquiries into the inner workings of complicated institutions that function with their own rules and standards. Menus' Placés Le Tragois opens in select theaters on November 22nd, courtesy of Zippora Films. Please enjoy the conversation with Frederick Wiseman. I'm sorry I missed the introduction, but I know Dennis, I, I missed the introduction, but Dennis Lim did a uh... Really good one well, so I mean, I happy to answer any
1: questions
0: uh, any questions okay
1: uh, well, uh, selectively answer any questions
0: okay i will I will start by a few and then we can share with the audience okay in English <laughs> um, is it i mean I was wondering, are you picked les trois gros as a restaurant i mean other than the fact that you're the same age as a restaurant um But it's... A little older, actually. (laughs) Okay, well, the legend goes you're the same. And I was wondering, out of all the amazing uh, culinary institution in France, how did you get in touch with Les Trois Gros and why did you pick that one in particular, which is also not located in Paris?
1: Well, it it was sheer chance. uh, In the summer of 2020, uh, I was freeloading at, uh, at various country houses of my friends in order to try and avoid COVID. And I stayed for a month with a friend of mine in Burgundy and I wanted to thank him and his wife. Uh, and I looked in the guide Michelin for a three-star restaurant and there was one about an hour away. So we went there for lunch. And after lunch, Cesar Trogel came out and work the room as the chefs always do. And he came over to our table and uh, we talked for a bit. And without planning to do so, I sort of instinctively, the documentary filmmaker in me took over. And I said, Would you, I'm a documentary filmmaker, would you consider having a, a movie made uh, of the restaurant? And he said, uh, uh, let me talk to my father. And he came back 35 minutes later and said, why not? Uh, And then we exchanged some letters and uh, I went to visit them once and we drew up an agreement. And then I discovered uh, when I, uh, this spring, when I showed them the film, that he hadn't showed it to his father. His father wasn't there that day, but he'd looked me up on the internet and Wikipedia had given me the good housekeeping seal of approval. Uh, so I, you know, thanks to Wikipedia, I g- I got permission.
0: I, I think it's more thanks to Wikipedia. It's mostly thanks to you. A little love, not It's, I'm it's deaf. really thanks for to your previous work more than Wikipedia, uh, because Wikipedia without you would not be any of any interest. Uh, first of all, I'm very surprised. That you in
1: general, Wikipedia, <laughs> or no, just, <laughs> just
0: you, page. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You managed to get a reservation right there at Les Trois Gros, which I've been trying to go for, I don't know, 15 years? <laughs> so I'm a little, I guess my Wikipedia page is not as good as yours. And also, uh, when you met with Caesar, who was working the room, then you met with the, the father in a, in a subsequent visit, or? Uh, in a, a
1: subsequent visit okay. a few months later. I met with Cesar and, and, uh, and, and Michelle. And Mary Pierre, the mother.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. You met the other one after? And
1: uh, Leo, yeah, then I, I went over to meet Leo at his at the other restaurant, yeah.
0: So how long did you, uh, when you decided to make the film and, and to shoot there, how long did it take before you could actually start shooting? And how did they give you permission to actually go in the kitchen because it isn't that very disruptive for three-star like Michelin restaurant to have someone filming and going around I mean it seems a very quiet level kitchen
1: well I, the the Trois are a very kind and generous family and I don't say that just because they gave me permission they're, they're really uh they're really nice people and uh 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 you know, I obviously, uh, when we were shooting in the kitchen, we tried to stay out of people's way. And I think by and large succeeded. Um, uh, I, I wanted to, I didn't start shooting till the spring of 2022 because I wanted there to be some respite in the COVID, which of course is never over. Uh, and um, I was there for, I think, i think seven i can't remember but i think seven weeks i think i said nine earlier but i think it was seven
0: of, of shooting a, seven day, weeks they, of they shooting, were open or?
1: five days a week and and we were there every day uh five days a week for seven weeks
0: okay D- so were you, it means were, it
1: was probably about 35 shooting days
0: were you sleeping in the in the hotel
1: no 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 mm. it was too expensive <laughs>
0: <laughs> i was hoping uh, they'll give there was you
1: a, there was a and b about three minutes away and uh <laughs>
0: Niroan, uh, it's it's not as exciting as sleeping in La, La Colline, but I guess it was a budget. Uh, con- it's a budget concession you have to do for the. Well, but the B mm, yeah. nice. uh, <laughs>
1: and B was nice, and, and yeah. uh, it, uh, there was some compensation because they invited us to eat with the chefs every day. Ah. So I, I I ate at Toagro seventy times. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a figure i like repeating uh.
0: you must be one of the person who ate at Litrois gros the most uh, you, you probably have a record for the guinness book a record. of records of eating there was a budget did you have a budget allocation to eat there or was it an invitation well, no,
1: I, I had actually, the uh, budget was to eat elsewhere, uh, but th- this was free, as well as being delicious. Uh.
0: Were you looking for volunteer to help you on the shoots? <laughs> no,
1: I, I didn't want to share it with anybody.
0: Um, I I have a culinary question. It's uh, the cheese um, the plates. The, the cheese factory. Yeah, no, not the cheese factory. It's like when they bring the cart with the chills. Mm-hmm. Did you did they also give you this when you were shooting? Sure. Did were you able to have access to the cheese cart when you were shooting? Well, uh, or not? Well,
1: I mean, well, obviously I had access in the film. You see it. You see there are two sequences, the cheese cart in the film, and when we ate there, they. They only gave us a choice of three or four cheeses every night.
0: May I ask if you have any favorite cheers? <laughs> yeah,
1: it's too <laughs> private. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, I wanted to ask a little bit about you, men- you mentioned that it was, you were very respectful of the way you were working in the kitchen since people are working and it's not possible to stop. Um, w- actually when we were working, to for you to shoot. So how large of a crew did you have when you were in the kitchen and walking around the room? And how convenient was it for there, a-
1: there were four of us. But but we, you know, uh, we were, you know, we tried to be respectful and careful, but it was like uh, an awkward ballet, uh, because there, the, as you see in the film, the. Chefs are moving very quickly. And we had to move very quickly to stay out of their way and at the same time get the shots. Uh, but we uh, they they never complained, nor did we.
0: In terms of having access to the people who are eating in the restaurant, wh- would, were people like aware of you working there and just like well, shooting the, obviously and talking?
1: The, 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 uh, I uh, a, a lot of the people in the restaurant uh I approached uh because uh uh you know I, I assumed if they could eat at Trois Gros, they also could afford good lawyers. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh and uh so and some of the people were old customers and Michel or César approached them on my behalf, but nobody said no, much to my surprise. Mary pierre Toigrot was initially very concerned about the restaurant, and she said uh, she could always tell when a man was there with his mistress because he was nice to her. <laughs>
0: I assume you didn't try to go in that direction of shooting illegal couples because you don't know what could happen when you show the film. You, you don't. Oh, you don't want to show to shoot illegal couples. You know, when we show the film, there could be divorces with expensive lawyers as well. But um, did you make a conscious decision when you, as a French person, watching the film and seeing the international clientele? You do feel a difference how people approach the restaurants and the food and the wine and the way they talk about it. Is it something that you were thinking about when you're shooting? Well,
1: I mean, I, I, I think it'd be a mistake for me to make cultural generalizations uh, because it, it's, you know, first of all, it's a small sample, and I also I don't like to make generalizations. But I must say I couldn't resist the way some of the Americans. Uh, <laughs> uh uh responded partic- to the wine and to the
0: that, that was that was my point <laughs> but i wasn't i wasn't sure if it was just personal if you but if you were thinking about it when you were shooting or editing because you was you thinking shot- about what are you showing some Americans who are a little, I would say well, some, but, not. Well, you
1: know, a, I don't. You know, I don't uh-huh. believe the Americans are re necessarily representative Americans, as the French are necessarily representative French. I mean, they're just people who can afford to eat at an yeah. expensive restaurant. Okay. Uh,
0: but you you shot more than what you're showing.
1: Oh, indeed, uh, <laughs> uh uh in the in the seven weeks we were there we shot probably 150 hours and as you know as indicated earlier it's, all, it's a mere four hours so the ratio the shooting ratio is a little less than 40 to one
0: that's fine did you show the film to people from les trois gros uh, finished? Uh, well, well, I
1: showed it to the Trois Gros family, uh, and then at the end of November, it's going to open in Paris on December 20th, and at the end of November, I'm going to Rouen and going to show it to the people who work in the restaurant and, and, their, and their suppliers, I mean, basically to the people who are in the film.
0: Is there an open invitation? F- hmm. Is there an open invitation for from people here? Well,
1: there's an open invitation for the people who are in the film.
0: Oh! <laughs> uh. <laughs> You're very cruel. You're tempting us with so much amazing well, but food. Well, yeah, you, you can
1: go anytime you want.
0: <laughs> no, I've been uh, trying to go for years. I cannot you, get a you reservation. they're full every time? They're always full. It's like you have to book like months and months and months ahead of time.
1: Well, for consideration, so. I could help
0: you. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> um, I know there's a lot of fun of your work in the audience and if people have questions for Mr. Weizmann, we have, okay, yes. yes. If but you we'll... don't
1: mind speaking up because I'm a bit deaf.
0: I'm curious to know just in the edit itself with that many hours of footage and just bringing it down to even at four hours long, how, how do you make decisions on what stays, what goes, What's going through your mind and through the editing process?
1: Well, you're asking me uh, how I edit, and and, uh, uh, I hope the explanation isn't too long. Uh, When I come back from the shoot, uh, uh, maybe a week or two afterwards, I start to edit, and I look at all the footage, uh, all 150 hours, and that takes me about six weeks In the course of looking at it, I make notes about the sequences. Uh, And at the end of that six weeks, i put aside as sequences I'm not particularly interested in about half the material. And then I simply start editing sequences that interest me, that I think might make it into the film from that remaining 50% or roughly 50%. can take me six or eight months. At the end of that six or eight months, uh, uh, I, I have rough versions of all the candidate, so-called candidate sequences. Uh, in order to arrive at those rough versions, I have to deceive myself into thinking that I understand what's going on in each sequence. Uh, I have to think that I understand it in order to make the decision whether or not I want to consider using the sequence, and then how I'm going to reduce it from its original length, because almost every sequence in the film, ex- even the sequences of the, uh, of the, you know, the pots in the kitchen, uh, uh, the frying of the, uh, uh, the kidneys, are much longer, in some cases, uh, 15 or 20 minutes or 30 minutes longer than, than what you see in the film. So I have to think I understand what's going on to, in order to make not only make the choice of the sequence, but how to cut it to a usable form. And then I have to figure out how to place it where the sequence fits in the structure of the film. But, I mean, the the basic aspect of editing is trying to understand what's happening in the case of the kitchen, the various uh, various, uh, stages of the cooking. Uh, But often, when people are talking to each other, uh, you have to uh, I have to think that I understand w- what they're saying and why they're saying it and what the general impact of their choice of words and gesture and body movements may be. So after at the end of that s- six or eight months, w- I have a group of uh, sequences, so-called candidate sequences. And then in three or four days, I make the first assembly because at that point, I know uh, the material or I think I know the material extremely well and I can work out the first tentative structure. Then when I do that, it takes me about another six or eight weeks to work out the final structure. And then when I think the film is finished, I go back and look at all the rushes in the case of uh, Gros or 150 hours to make sure there's nothing that uh, I initially rejected that might be useful uh, because of the other choices that I made. And I always find a short sequence or a transitional sequence or a cutaway, um, more than one cutaway, that's useful to solve a problem that I think I didn't adequately solve. I know in the past that you recorded your own sound and would often direct the cameraman with the shotgun microphone as to where you wanted to move or what you wanted to cover. And I'm curious to know what it's like for you to work now with somebody else recording sound and how you manage that and direct the shooting without having the Uh, microphone to shove into his frame to say, over here! Uh, This film is the first one uh, where I didn't record the sound. Yeah,
0: so how was it for you in terms of working uh, with someone else? I
1: I was using, I used a viewer uh, and, you know, I didn't, I was, uh, I've had some health problems so I didn't have the strength to run around with the sound equipment. Uh, um, But I was still able to tell the cameraman what I want shot by, because I was looking at the viewer, and he was, I, I had one eye on the viewer and one eye on him, and he had one eye on the viewfinder and one eye on me. And we, and we have little signals that we use, like pointing. Uh, 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 uh
0: that's that's a very original signal mm. <laughs> that's a very original yeah. signal. it's an old signal was it okay or frustrating to work with someone else on the sound no it
1: was all right i mean uh, i mean it was n- necessary necessary so
0: yeah uh, i know we would like to talk to you as long as a movie ears but and then uh, another um, exquisite sequence of The best restaurant in France uh, that you ate 70 times there. (laughs) So, thank you so much for being with us. (laughs)